Fortin's new CEO discusses the impact of COVID-19 on supply chains. The demand for online shopping of fresh foods accelerates the need for cold storage space. And our roundup of top COVID-19 stories and resources as the world battles back. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Joining me to provide their insight into the top news stories of this week are senior news editor Ben Ames and senior editor Victoria Kickham. But before we get to Ben and Victoria, allow me first to introduce our special guest today. Robert McKeel is the new CEO of Fortinum, a global automation and engineering services and software company for the supply chain industry. Rob has been with Fortinum for only about a month now, but he brings with him an impressive resume and lots of experience. He was previously spent more than 25 years at GE, where he most recently held the position of president and CEO for GE Automation and Controls. Rob, welcome to Logistics Matters. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Of course, the issue that all executives have to deal with right now is COVID-19. So how has this crisis affected the ways that Fortna interacts with your customers? Yeah, it's been it's been very dynamic. Uh, you know, we offer a service to to our clients to help uh, optimize and, and help their supply chains perform. Min- many of our clients are essential businesses, and of course, we're supporting them in any way that we can. Uh, our our support team operates twenty four seven to make sure that we're available for any issues in in the active supply chain operations. Likewise, we've modified some of our offerings to to offer a rapid response to help diagnose any issues and, and offer quick improvement options. Uh, we're fortunate that a lot of our work can be done remotely and we've been set up to be a remote workforce. So that's allowed us to continue to serve our clients uh, even in a situation where many folks are staying at home. And then obviously in cases where we have to do physical work at the sites, that's been restricted based on the rules and policies of various countries and states that we, uh, we operate in, but where we can support our clients at their sites, we are. You mentioned about uh, essential businesses, and of course, most supply chains are considered essential these days. Are you experiencing? Uh, are their customers experiencing any kind of uh, major disruptions to their operations as they're going through we, this crisis? Yeah, we haven't we haven't heard of any in our in our network. Uh, of course, we have some clients who have shifted their priorities to focus on products that support the COVID nineteen crisis. Uh, you know, they may have have. I've uh, been working on projects that that are now deemed a little bit less important than than ones that directly support COVID-19. So we've seen some delays in uh, in in areas like that. We see others seeing a shift in mix from their physical storefronts to their digital storefronts and a multiple of volume in their e-commerce channels that may have previously been in their in their physical channels, but no specific di- disruptions directly in our in our customer base. You talked about physical storefronts, and of course, you Fortnite is well known for working with a lot of retailers. Um, they seem to be the most affected by the social distancing, the fact that stores, some stores aren't allowed to open, or others have uh, limited hours or uh, rules within the facility as to how many people can be there at a time. Do you think that this will change the way retail works forever going forward? Yeah, my, my hypothesis is yes. I think supply chains will stay. I think retail will change. Uh, I think the way way people operate will change. It's too early probably to support that hypothesis with concrete examples. Uh, I can just give my recent example of going to the post office to mail in my taxes and uh, everything's compartmentalized. A line that used to hold 
you know, 20 people hold six now as they spread people out. So I think people are seeing different ways of, of doing things in a, in a situation like this where there's a, a you know, a live virus situation. Uh, what I would expect to see is a lot more of investment and in bolstering of digital storefronts. Many folks who previously were on the fence about buying goods online have now been forced to try it. And, and I'm sure many of them will like it and stick with that buying model. So I think the, 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 the bolstering of digital storefronts and supply chains that support that buying model will be one. I think risk mitigation in the supply chains to have alternative flows, maybe even some redundancy in flows of goods through the network will be an option. Uh, potentially a relook at capacities in the supply chain around critical commodities and how, to, how you manage responsiveness to, to surges in demand. And then I would expect a, a lot more uh, acceleration of micro fulfillment options as enhancements to the distribution network, particularly as more and more people are ordering, you know, food and groceries on online than they have in the past. Right. So those micro fulfillment sites where they'd be placed in urban areas or away from the, the larger distribution centers, I think are going to play an important part in that. Uh, how do you see distribution centers themselves changing as far as the, the mix of equipment and systems that they might have within them? I think there'll be a continued advancement in uh, in technology investments and in automation. I think on the technology side, you know, as you put in automation, as you as you add some of these technologies into into distribution centers, you get automatic spacing of labor. Uh, so it helps with uh, with sort of the social distancing concept. I think labor uh, has become a little bit of a risk in uh, in this. So you don't know if someone, you know, a critical person or a critical set would be um, be out of work for a period of time. So again, automation can help manage labor risks in these situations. And then I think software will continue to be an investment to provide visibility and flexibility into uh, you know into the supply chains, particularly into the distribution centers. Uh, and then also, I think, is just the, the flexibility to manage changes in, in buying behaviors. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, this, this potential shift from, from a storefront type retail to, to different models like, like e-commerce. I know that as uh, Fortin is ag agnostic when it comes to selecting the kinds of equipment and systems that you put into facilities that you're building for your clients or helping to design. But are there particular technologies that you can point to that you think will have a, a, a key role in the future of, uh, of warehouse automation, the, the, the kinds of things that you're talking about? Yeah, I would expect to see, we, we talked about micro-fulfillment. I think the technology that provide high-density uh, solutions, particularly if you uh, think about the potential of reusing uh, empty retail space for, for distributed fulfillment centers, uh, that's, that's one. I think that those technologies uh, uh, Something like an auto store type type technology would be one that uh, that comes to mind. I think additional investments in in AGVs and and things that allow for a mix of solutions for uh, for labor and and automation in uh, in distribution centers will be another that that was important. Of course, continued investment in software. Uh, one thing I've learned in my my month on the distribution side is the the number of variables and the complexity. Is pretty high. When I was in in the factory automation space, when you're building a product, you typically have a recipe to follow. It's very sequential in nature, so your automation is is basically automating that recipe, whatever it may be. Uh, in the in the distribution center, you don't know what variables are coming your way because it's purely 
demand based on, on how consumers are purchasing. So the, the number of variables and the complexity just keeps increasing. And I think software to help manage that complexity will be critical. Right. And technology continues to change all the time, which is frankly what keeps us in business. We always have new things to write about. So it'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. Thank you, Rob. We really appreciate your insights today with us. And thanks for being a part of our, of our podcast today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. If you would like more information on Fortna and their company services, we encourage you to visit Fortna.com. That's F-O-R-T-N-A.com. Now let's turn to our news editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kicken, to talk about some of the stories and trends that have emerged this past week. Uh, Victoria, you reported this week on the increasing demand for cold storage in the supply chain during the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. Yes, that's right. And this um, actually has very much to do with uh, Rob's points about changing consumer behaviors and how that's driving change um, in his business as well. So we've been following a trend toward um, growing demand for cold storage warehousing nationwide, and it's driven largely by growth in e-commerce. Uh, I'm sorry, e-grocery shopping. Um, and that trend has accelerated in the face of COVID-19 as you know, quarantines and stay-at-home orders have forced consumers to either begin or increase their level of online grocery shopping. And as Rob pointed out, you know, become more comfortable with buying these kinds of products online if they haven't before. So um, we have been reporting on this. And then interestingly, in the last week or so, commercial real estate firm CBRE had said that it anticipates the need for, um, you know, just sort of accelerating that growth. They see a need for, I think it was between 75 million and 100 million square feet of cold storage space over the next five years to, uh, to meet that kind of demand. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with cold deliveries as well. People are home right now, so they're there to be able to receive products that, that have been in cold storage, a freezer environment, a refrigerated environment, and are being delivered to them directly. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when people go back to work, if that model still exists when you don't have any place cold to actually deliver it to, or if someone's not home. Something that I think will be interesting to follow as we go along. Absolutely. Um, Ben, you've been doing our regular roundup of COVID-related stories on DCVelocity.com. A lot of interesting things coming through us each day of, of ways companies are responding, things that are happening within the marketplace. Can you highlight a few of those recent stories that you've covered? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, they're really, it's been extraordinary to see uh, some of the ways that, that logistics uh, technology providers have adapted some of their tools uh, to, to serve the really specific challenges that we're seeing uh, in, in this uh, COVID time. Um, following up on Victoria's point about uh, the, the jump in demand for cold storage and, and food particularly, um, there's a company called Convoy that's a uh, digital freight network uh, and, and they match uh, loads and trucks basically. Um, and last week they said that they were actually going to pay the trucking costs for any uh, food retailer in the U.S. who's willing to donate a truckload of, of food product to the food bank in their region. Uh, so what they're doing is really stepping in uh, to, to fill a, a route that, that didn't exist before uh, because at the, with, with people out of work, um, with people on unemployment, the demand um, for, for food banks and soup kitchens is, uh, is, is really jumping as well. And there's not necessarily an easy way to get the product there because uh, right. it, it's really, it, it's, it has jumped uh, in, in a way that nobody could have foreseen. Uh, I think all, all of us have seen those long lines that are at food banks. So anything that can help to get uh, more product to the food bank is certainly a plus. What, are, what it, else it, have it, you seen? It, 
Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, yeah, some other ways uh, in, in which um, the logistics firms have, have adapted their tools. Um, there's a company called where to go um, with, with a two in the middle, uh, the digit in the middle of the name. Uh, it, it's a UPS division and they provide on-demand warehousing and 3PL services. Uh, so they're uh, donating their logistics services uh, and, and, and warehouse network in order to get uh, PPEs to um, healthcare workers. And uh, you, you may have heard of the, that acronym uh, for personal protective equipment, because uh, there are in many places shortages of masks and uh, glasses and respirators and, and robes. Uh, so that they're, they're using um, that their leverage on that um, to, to, to move that gear around uh, to hospitals and, and to uh, healthcare clinics. Uh, again, in, in a way that there just wasn't a need for that uh, particular route before. Um, and a, another really novel way that, that was neat uh, the other day, uh, Cummins, which is the, the sort of iconic uh, diesel uh, engine maker for so many uh, heavy machines and trucks. Um, they, they have uh, big manufacturing lines for uh, diesel engine filters uh, for gas and air, the things that make the engine work. And they've actually adapted those uh, to make uh, particulate filters uh, for healthcare workers to use to breathe through. Uh, so it, it, it's really the, the creativity that we've seen from some of these companies is, is really inspiring. Yeah, and that is great to see so many different companies throughout the supply chain stepping up and helping with the crisis and doing what they can to provide the products and materials that are needed, not only manufacturing them, as you just mentioned with Cummins, but making sure that those products can get to where they need to be. We've seen some changes. Uh, of course, hours of service right now are being relaxed. Um, more and more rest stops and other kinds of services and places like that are, are still functioning to be able to make sure our goods can get across the country where they need to go to get to the various places to support it. You know, the, I think the, the one thing that we've come away from all this with COVID-19 is that people are finally appreciating supply chains in ways that they never have before. Well, Ben, thanks for yeah. offering those insights. And um, we want to remind you that we do have a lot of COVID-related resources on dcvelocity.com. In fact, we have a complete separate section of COVID-related information. You can just click on that at the very top of, of the DC Velocity website. Uh, and you can also go to learn more about some of the resources list. And Ben, maybe you want to talk about that just a moment because you put together a great list of resources that are out there within the community to help people during the crisis. Uh, thanks, Dave. We have, yeah. It's um, we, the whole staff has been working on this uh, from, from the earliest days of, of covering uh, the, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, we've noticed uh, it, that it's really important to trace its impacts on supply chain and service providers and, and logistics service providers particularly, because that, that impact uh, in many cases is different than it is on other parts of the economy. Uh, so we pulled together um, the, the, a lot of the uh, great efforts to, to share accurate and timely information that we've seen come in from industry groups um, that throughout the logistics sector. Um, some, you know, Association of American Railroads and, and MHI, the Material Handling Group, and, um, you know, different state trucking groups, um, you know, that the line goes on, as well as many uh, vendors uh, in, in every corner from software to, uh, to fulfillment to even to, to law firms. Because, uh, but for instance, one interesting question that just came up today was when, uh, when companies transfer uh, some of their manufacturing capabilities uh, from making one object into making healthcare objects. Um, it, it's unknown yet uh, whether they might, you know, have liability or some legal responsibility for ensuring that they're making, uh, you know, a decent product. So 
uh, there's some questions here that uh, that we're all trying to answer at the same time, and hopefully our resources page uh, can give folks uh, a good foundation for digging into those. Right, and if some, someone would like to look at that, they can go directly to that page by going to dcvelocity.com slash COVID-19 resources. Again, dcvelocity.com slash COVID-19 resources. Thanks, Ben, and thanks, Victoria, for sharing your highlights of the news this week. And our special thanks again go out to Rob McKeel of Fortna for offering his insights with us also today. And thank you for listening. If you'd like more information on the stories we discussed today in Logistics Matters, be sure to check out dcvelocity.com for more details. And please provide any comments or feedback you'd like to make on our new podcast. We're just starting the series out, so we're interested in what you have to to, to say about it and interested in your comments, you can email us by going to podcast at dcvelocity.com. That's podcast at dcvelocity.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. We'll see you then.